The Third Man Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Third Men Podcast, the Jack White Third Man Records History Program, and I am your echoey co-host, Paul Kaminsky. And I'm your echo, James Kaminsky. And we are joined by a special guest today who's going to uh, join us for the entirety of the program, Mr. Rob Janos. Janos, Janos, Janos. (laughs) Who is no stranger to the podcast. Rob, you've been on a few times. You were an early guest, as I recall. I was. I was on the Go episode. I was Whoa. on a... Yeah, he was Bobby Harlow. Yeah. In- <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, the, the Go's got a lot of members, you know. It's like, kind of hard to keep track of them, yeah. It's true. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was on a trivia episode. I That's was right. Yeah. in uh, this Olivia Jean, uh, when me and James went to go see Olivia in... That's right. The month before the world ended. Uh, <laughs> Wild. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I was on twice this past year. You know, I did the uh, the the songs that uh, were submitted. So for your live shows, so yes, fun. thank you. It was beautiful, yeah. by the way. Your your uh, oh, music was pishaw. It's great. <laughs> and you always look like a rock star when you're playing. Oh, you, you know, really, fake it till you make it. Yeah, you're really classing up the joint, Rob. I gotta say. <laughs> But anyway, we have Rob on here because Rob actually suggested this topic, and I love it when that happens because it means James and I don't have to think. Um, yeah. 
There's going to be some ambient noise of (laughs) Eleanor, I think, punching styrofoam in the background of this. So that'll be interesting audio. Um, (laughs) She's punching meat. She's really training to be Rocky. Hey, that machine cost me a fortune. Yeah, well, it cost me a fortune too, you know. And I thought it was a wonderful idea because we've talked a lot about this group on this podcast, obviously, because there's been many comparisons therein to the music of Jack White. But of course, today we're going to be talking about Led Zeppelin and Led Zeppelin's connections, be they inspiration connections to Jack White or actual literal interactions between members of the band Led Zeppelin and Jack White. And Rob, you happen to be an, an expert in this. An expert? Uh, were, That's what qualifies me as an expert now. <laughs> well, you were managing uh, Les Zeppelin yes. right, for, for quite a while, yeah. which was an all-female Led Zeppelin cover band. And James, I know, had the privilege of seeing them open for Ms. Olivia Jean. And I know he was glowing about it. And Opposite, I actually. W- Olivia Jean oh. opening for Les Zeppelin. And I got the set list from that show. Very proud of that. I have that up with the CD they got. It was uh, it was an amazing show. I'm gonna tell Eleanor to stop punching the styrofoam because <laughs> it's it's gonna be on the audio. <laughs> what the hell was that? Rocky Balboa, there's a man out here wishing to speak with you. She was up there literally. <laughs> it's a giant pile of styrofoam just punching it. And so we dragged it into Susanna's <laughs> office and we closed the door. And then I just heard a slightly fainter. <laughs> Boomers really say, you know, kids don't do what they used to a lot. They say they're concentrating <laughs> on video games. But I think they really. Yeah, they're punching fine. a stack of styrofoam. styrofoam. That seems like something you do in Boomer times. <laughs> in Boomer times. Anyway. As I was saying, yeah. Rob, you were managing Les Zeppelin. Um, I don't know. Do you want to give us a little bit of your Led Zeppelin background? And maybe I think you've talked about how you came across Led Zeppelin in the past, but maybe you can give us a bit of a refresher there. Yeah. So I, I joined the band in 2009. And uh, before that, I had, I had been a fan for really three years. Just going to shows. I became friends with the band. And... I was very involved and there came a time in March of 2009 where they were going to do a charity concert in India, not Indiana, India, India. Uh, India. Yeah, okay. And they had this, I don't know, this manager or something had this harebrained idea that they were going to bring a fan along with them. They were going to have a contest and they were going to fly a fan there and they're like well fuck that we're i mean we're just gonna ask like a friend of ours that's a fan you know we don't have an actual contest so they asked my girlfriend uh who had just moved and she said no um and they asked me and i'm like fuck yeah i'll go to (laughs) (laughs) so fast forward 13 years later um i started off doing merch then guitar teching and stage teching driving the bus personal therapist masseuse (laughs) financial advisor tour manager and that's where i am now i don't work too much with the band anymore because i've gone back to school to be a responsible adult Uh, but uh yeah i'll be working with them this summer i think we're going to australia heads up anybody that's in australia wow um that's that's amazing yeah, wow so uh sh- <laughs> should be should be fun but i've been a lifelong led zeppelin fan you know my mom got me into the band and i really associate jack white with led zeppelin because 
rewind the the clock a little bit and the way i personally fell in love with jack white and the white stripes specifically i remember i was at tower records in paramus new jersey where i grew up (laughs) and uh i was walking around like looking for i don't know he's walking here yeah hey Your alien had a room at the Holiday Inn. Paramus. Yeah, I'm. I'm look. I'm looking uh, for. I don't know. Jet CDs or you know, so whatever. Yeah. I was listening to at the time. And uh, I'm looking for a sweet Wolf Mother Blacklight poster. Yeah. Uh, it's before them, but uh, oh, okay. this was like 2005. Because okay. they had, you know, Tower Records, the great thing about that thing is that you know they had like music constantly playing over the loudspeaker, like new records and stuff. And this song came on, and I was like, "This I've never heard this Led Zeppelin song before. What the fuck is this?" And I like, I was like, "Is off Coda or you know, I don't know." So I actually go ask the guy behind the counter. I'm like, "What song is this?" You know, because it's before Shazam. You know, it was before smartphones. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Oh, this is the White Stripes." And it's, can we guess which song? Yeah, you want to guess? Ball and a biscuit. No, nope. I was going to guess ball. Whoa! Uh, Hold on, wait. 2005. 2005. So it's Satan. Blue Orchid? No. Hmm. Is it? Oh, man. Oh, oh, um, uh, 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 one of the rockers, one of the blues ones. Yeah, you got it. Uh, the flies, get it? Whatever. Oh, uh, uh, Instinct Blues? Yeah, Instinct Blues. Wow. I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, I go up and he says, it's the White Stripes off their new record. I'm like, my sister like listens to them because she was into kind of the emo post-punk stuff. And yeah. I think she said like, listen to the White Stripes. And I had heard, you know, Seven Nation Army or something on the radio. And I had heard, you, you know, uh, something like Hardest Button to Button or, you know, uh, Fell in Love with a Girl. And I'm like, eh, it's all right. You know, it's like I just kind of lumped them in, though, with that emo movement at the time. Yeah. And and this is funny because I was, like, in love with bands like The Strokes and Jet and, like, all this kind of post-punk garage rock revival stuff. But I, I just didn't listen to The White Stripes just because I just didn't know. So I heard this. And I'm like, what the fuck? This sounds like Led Zeppelin. You ever fuck around with the Red Walls? I love the Red Walls. We talked about that, I think, when we talked about The Go. I that saw, sounds I, right. I saw them. I saw them in concert. I love the Red Walls. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm part of that whole thing. That's why I, I saw them. Uh, I think we mentioned this. I saw them open up for the Polyphonic Spree, and I did not care for the Polyphonic Spree, but I definitely cared for the Red Walls. I thought well, they were great. Oh, I mean, you you guys are Beetleheads, so of course yeah. you're gonna like the Red Walls. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, them and who the, who the hell was the other band? Rooney. Rooney was the other one. Anyway, I think we, we talked about this at length. Anyway, I'm sorry, Rob. <laughs> we went on our Red Wall tangent. Yeah, so yeah, I bought like 
that CD that day. I bought, I think, Elephants. And and you're and, like, is that dish, a fucking marimba? Dish, I'm that? like, oh, wow, this rest of the record doesn't sound anything like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two that do. It's That's one of them, and then there's the other one. What's, threw what's it the right one? in the trash. He threw the CD right <laughs> in the trash. <laughs> you know, listen to passive manipulation you know, over and over again. Yeah. So anyway, I bought that CD. I, I listened to it. I, I really started liking the band. I saw them on the I was lucky enough to see them on the Icky Thumb tour. I got really into the Rack on tours cuz that was like the band that was happening right a, uh, right after that. And yeah, um so really Led Zeppelin was my exposure to Jack White because I remember googling the White Stripes and seeing that on that tour Jimmy Page came out and watched them play at the uh at yeah. the Hammersmith Odeon in London, and I'm like, he must be kind of feeling what I'm feeling. So yeah, yeah, I think everyone was to tell my Zeppelin Jack connection origin story very briefly. We were aware of the White Stripes, James and I, through our friend Mike, who actually was the one who initially brought them into our orbit. But when I heard Ball and Biscuit, yeah, I thought this sounds like Led Zeppelin and I'm right. Re- this shirt right now is a relic from high school. I, this was my, my Led Zeppelin shirt. I was rocking yeah. in um, South Brunswick high school because you know, that was like my teen years. I discovered them when I was mm, 16, maybe. And they blew my mind. You know, obviously they were around. So it wasn't like the Beatles where dad was evangelizing Beatles all the time, but there's something slightly more teenager and and adult. It's not really the Beatle music is accessible to people of all ages, but Led Zeppelin to get what you're gonna get out of Led Zeppelin, you kind of have to have some hormones firing <laughs> because that band is horny AF. It made you feel things you hadn't felt before. <laughs> That's right. But for Gollum yeah. and the other members of the <laughs> Lord of the Rings, I don't. But you know, I, I have very fond memories in high school, and me and Mike would like we would do the ocean solo a drum thing and we would do the whole thing and just in class you know on our desks and like actually doing the solos and stuff the bottom solos and i remember you guys doing that and the frankenstein solo yeah. yeah well well yeah frankenstein's great too mike had a bird he called bonham after john bonham and uh and so anyway yeah i was obsessed Hold with on, mike had a bird he had a bird sorry it was anyway. pretty, it was a little it was <laughs> a little bird yeah. Um, but, uh, there was also, what was that? My dad, when I graduated high school and I was about to go to college in my, uh, the card that my parents gave me for my graduation party, it said, um, in the days of my youth, I was told what it means to be a man. And now I've reached that age where I can do all those things best I can. sweet you know and then it really it really burned some led zeppelin into my heart now i i must confess i love led zeppelin i really really do but for me i do think of them as very tied to those high school years it doesn't yeah. mean i don't enjoy led zeppelin but there was some there's something about that group that is for me high school which is ironic because i was in high school like 15 or 20 years after john bonham died but 
for some reason, that is the age. That's the age that really got me with Zeppelin. And then in college, I was like, oh shit, the, Jack's just doing this. Yeah, He's doing it again. Different, mind you. It's not a one for one. It's not Greta Van Fleet, but it is the spirit of Zeppelin is alive in that music. And you hear it in Ball and Biscuit. You hear it really loud. It's like anybody who th- who says that Meg White is a bad drummer. It's like, we're literally sitting here saying, wow, this sounds just like Led Zeppelin, <laughs> comparing <laughs> Meg right. White to John Bonham. Yeah, I know. Like- I mean, it, it makes sense because Jack is doing what Zeppelin's doing, which is hearkening back to the blues in yeah. general. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into that, but it's they're pulling from the same sources. So it only makes sense that their music will have a similar feel. I think, Paul, you mentioned Greta Van Fleet. They're not pulling from the blues necessarily. They are pulling from Zeppelin, which is a different thing. Not that their music is bad or whatever. If you like them, cool. I don't really listen to them that much because I'm not familiar. But anyway. Ironically, Michigan boys, just like uh, like Zeppelin. That's very true. Are Um, are they really? Yeah. Yeah, From from the Christmas Village in Michigan, Frankenmuth. I've been there. (laughs) I know they took photos in in Nashville at the Third Man Records, too, but... um, They, they, I'm sorry, they come from a Christmas village? Frankenmuth They're has a, a year-round <laughs> Christmas village. It's in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Frankenmuth or Moose? Fra- Muth. Okay, because Frankenmuth sounds like a delightful uh, trauma movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still. So they're from a year-round Christmas village? Yeah, Frankenmuth. Look it up. Look Frankenmuth, Michigan. I'm telling you. We, we are really t- like diving into what people hate about podcasts right now. We are, we are not only are we not getting onto the topic at hand, we are talking over each other ad nauseum and I love it. It's we're really taking a big step you said, forward. You said it was going to be loose today. Ah, it's loosey goosey and I'm into it. Um I'm sorry. I the revelation that Greta Van Fleet is were were born in a Christmas village. Yeah, it they were is, under the star uh, of yeah, a Beth That's a revelation. That's a rev- that's a revelation to me. And anyway, three kings came to them and offered them gold, frankincense, and Led Zeppelin. They yeah. Know that uh, anyway. He apologized to the native community, by the way. That fella from the Greta Van oh, Fleet, Mister Mr. Mr. Stuff, yeah. Mister Fleet. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just really love dressing up like an Indian. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Zeppelin uh, with me was was uh, tied mostly to Paul. Uh, you got me into them, and then uh, I listened a lot to the songs basically that that you got from LimeWire for a while, and that's kind of where I absorbed most of it, and also through radio songs. And I think that's kind of where I've lost Zeppelin through the years, is because they're oversaturated on on radio, uh, like. I hate to say mainstream, but like, you know, the classic rock hits radio yeah. plays them a lot. Like I walk my dog and, and hear from a garage. Led Your black dog. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Which is sad because Zeppelin's great, but I, I feel like they've washed over every part of wanting to hear them just because I hear it too much. And I think, Sim- yeah. uh, Paul, we've had this discussion about White Stripes music in the past where Seven Nation Army and, and Dead Leaves and some some of the bigger hits – don't hit as hard because just oversaturation. But anyway. But it's interesting, though, that I don't feel that way about Beatle music. And hmm. and I think that that might be a distinction. I mean, it may actually just be taste. But there, for some reason, Beatle music has a timeless quality to it, while Zeppelin yeah. 
feels of a time and that's fine you know of itself and i don't know exactly why that is here's Uh, here's my theory on that i'm sorry if some sounds are bleeding through from my son but uh beetle music if you like it you're playing it hoping other people will join in whereas zeppelin music i feel like a lot of people play it loud to make other people think they're cool there's a crowd of zeppelin folk that I feel Zep like Meisters. Yeah, they're, they're they're from Christmas villages. They're <laughs> Burgermeisters <laughs> that that do listen to it because they were told it's the thing. Like that's what rock has to be. Um, and sure, and it's like like Paul, you were saying it's a you know when you reach hormonal levels that are uh, off the scales, off the charts, you start listening to Zeppelin, and and so I think teenagers tend to latch to it and a counterculture sort of deal. So I, I feel like there's a different connotation between Beatles and Zeppelin, whereas Beatles is more, I don't know. Universal. Yeah. Uh, and I think that plays to their favor, but Zeppelin at the same, I don't know. It's, it sounds like I'm saying Zeppelin sucks. I'm bad. No, I know. I know. I, I would like to make it clear. I, I, I don't mean to um, uh, talk dismissively about Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. I, when I got physical graffiti, and I heard that for the first time. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Ironically, it's a B-side of theirs. Um, oh, what is that hey, song? hey, what can I do? Hey, hey, that, hey, hey what can I do? That's it's their only Zeppelin. B-side. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite, favorite Zeppelin song. It's a good one. To this day, and I want to do a round robin here to talk about which one, which our favorite Zeppelin albums are. I'll go first. Mine is Presence because nobody's fault but mine Mm. was just like hit me in in my core when I heard that. And Achilles Last Stands on there. Mm, That's a good one. For Your Life. For Your Life. For Your Life's great. Maybe Maybe at the time, easily the coolest song I ever heard. And that's why when I started listening to Jack stuff and I started to go, oh, that's the coolest song I ever heard. I was getting the exact same response that I was getting to Led Zeppelin. They were doing the same thing. Oh, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Mm. You know, so um, I do agree, James, the overexposure is an issue with that band. And it's why I like took a 10 year pause on Zeppelin four because I that's co- the hits I, record. Yeah. yeah, it's the hits record. And it's so there's so I mean. I mean, you could maybe go to like when the levee breaks or four sticks or something and like kind of 
live there for a minute, but it's so overexposed that I actually had to take about a decade break. And actually, it's funny when I went back to it, I was like, oh, this album rules. Oh, it's <laughs> like, so good. really yeah. good. That's the thing is like, even though I. I, I've expressed these feelings of negativity that I did not me- intend to to start yeah. off on a negative yeah. foot here. I, it's still some of the coolest music like I've I've ever heard. And when you hear a cut that you don't hear often, uh, yeah, it hits you in a way that's that is uh, that's mind blowing what they're doing right now. Like uh, I I mean I have a lot of love for your hits and stuff, but cashmere when i hear cashmere oh still the coolest song yeah that i've like the guitar on that that, yeah so badass and i remember wanting to tell people hey do you know this thing is like that, this is—is is that the song from Godzilla? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but even that didn't hurt it for me. Even I probably, honestly, I probably heard the Godzilla version first. Yeah. I but know, like, I know I heard the Godzilla version first. But when is I that heard the that one song, with Puff Daddy, I, yeah, yeah, come, come yeah. with me, yeah. where he explodes into a bunch of doves. I remember wanting to like shake people and go, "Hey, th- this is somebody did this. Yeah. So, hey, somebody did this." It was that cool. I was like melt. I, I felt like I was melting when I heard that song first time. And then, bam, bam, and then, boom, boom, little proto hip hop in there. Yeah, a little. They got a little hip hop. It's like on a breakbeat in that middle section. It's really, Ooh, really cool. So, yeah, I'm getting the vapors just thinking about <laughs> cashmere. I will say, Zeppelin was one of the reasons I knew I really liked my wife at the time because I drove her home the night I met her. I drove her. She she didn't have a car, so I I offered to drive her home, and I did. And I had Zeppelin three on in the car at the time, which is funny because it was a CD you gave me, Paul. That was all one track. It was Zeppelin three, all one track. <laughs> the world's most useless CD. <laughs> yes. We got in the car, and she heard it. She went, "Oh, let Zeppelin, nice." And I was like, "Yeah." Yes, yeah. you're, yes, okay, yeah. And she's like, can I skip this song? And you're like, no. <laughs> what song is this? I don't know. Hats on Murray Harper, we can't skip yeah. it, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're 34 minutes into the CD, I don't know. I don't know anymore, I don't know anymore. It might, it might as well be a wax cylinder, I have no idea, yeah. Can't but do but after, I, after I dropped her off, I listened to... Um, uh, going to California, and that that song is burned in my memory. It's just like, mm. yeah, that's I that love song. It. Yeah, that song accompanied me when I moved out to California. Mm. I sang it. In fact, I I made an effort when I first moved out to California to try and interact socially with people from work because I was like, I don't know anyone out here. This is my only choice. So I went to like one of those work karaoke things, and I sang on my first night going to California, and it felt really nice. Actually, it felt yeah. really good. Uh, Rob, what is your favorite Led Zeppelin album? Uh, I got to go with one. Uh, Led Zeppelin one. Uh, it is, it's so raw. It's the best Robert Plant ever sounded. It's a covers album. I mean, I think realistically they wrote two songs on an entire record. 
um, <laughs> because it's either derivative of something like communication breakdown is Eddie Cochran's nervous breakdown or... Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. or uh, how many more times is derivative of how many more years by Howlin' Wolf. Or you're just straight ripping something off. Days and Confused is a cover of a Jake Holmes song. Can't quit you, babe. Willie Dixon songs. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's an amazing album, babe. I'm gonna leave. They're covering Joan Baez on that record. You know, there is that. Is that a cover? It is. I didn't know that. That's my favorite yeah. cut on that. Yeah. On that ba- so it, it is a covers record, but hot damn, is it a good covers record? Oh yeah, God, God, come on! Like yeah. that's a teenager record too, in the sense that like at the time, I, I there was a breakup, you know, and stuff. And boy, if there was ever an album to talk to a 17 year old kid that who just went through a breakup <laughs> that that album is like a fucking religious experience i can't you're like I can't, yeah. I can't quit you you yes. shook me babe i'm going to leave i'm going to leave you <laughs> uh, it's funny communication breakdown is, and in good times bad times are probably my Maybe not my least favorite songs on the album, but the I really like the 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 build up songs, and they're really good at build yeah. up songs where they sort of start maybe kind of here and then they go, and then obviously Stairway is the the nth degree of that. And I'm not actually the world's biggest Stairway fan, but um, I mean I think it's a perfect song, but I'm not a fan of I uh, like I objectively it's an incredible song, but I'm just not a big fan of it. Yeah. It's Seven Nation Army. It's going to be played, but whatever. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, James, did you have a... I know you had said some of your favorite songs. Do you have a favorite album? Or uh, Houses of the Holy is the first one Ooh, I ever got That's my hands a good on. one. That's, a good, that's one. a good one. Yeah, so that was kind of the one that I latched onto as my favorite. And I have a very distinct memory of getting it for Christmas and then going upstairs and just blasting that album so that was yeah weirdly enough i think it was the year i got a wolf mother cd <laughs> i think it's when and i got hear- like the sequel cd like their their sequel album that they put out that yeah. Uh, yeah didn't land as hard but um and you heard the ocean and you were like oh, oh. sweet wolf mother's guesting on that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's- i bought that that was the first zeppelin lp i ever bought and Susanna was like why are you bringing this child pornography <laughs> <laughs> And Paul's like, it's just who I am, babe. She's just like, put that away. I don't want our child to see this. Don't check my vibes, babe. This is is what I got. It's for a book. It's research. (laughs) Now let Uh, me eat my Subway sandwiches in peace. Easy, Pete. I don't know why I turned Pete into Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) It was research! (laughs) 
Okay, so you have Houses of the Holy. Now, have you ever seen, Rob, any of the surviving members of Led Zeppelin live? Yes, uh, I saw Robert Plant in 2005. Oh, with the with his Strange Sensation? Strange Sensation. Mm. That's uh, a good t- record. T- touring uh, Mighty Rearranger was the record. It's a great Mighty record. Mighty Rearranger, I think, is not, I mean, it's not like Zeppelin quality, but it's, it's really great. Close. It's, it's close. It's a good one. I did see them. I mean, Jimmy hasn't toured since he did a tour with the Black Crows in the late 90s. So there's really no opportunities to see Jimmy unless you were one of the rare people that got to see them in 2007. Which, to be fair, um, Steph Paynes, the guitarist from Led Zeppelin, did go to that show. I'm insanely jealous. And uh, and John Paul Jones doesn't tour either. Like My one opportunity would have been to go see him with uh, them Crooked Vultures. But, uh, right. Or but, C6. Did he play with C60? He did. Uh, yeah. Um, he played with Jack with uh, C60s. Jack's played with all three of them. Yeah. Which, wow. by the way, everyone, we will get to. We're just talking <laughs> about how much we love Led Zeppelin right now. Uh, Paul, we. I, I saw I saw a surviving member of Led Zeppelin, uh, Zach Starkey. He, he plays with the Who. Oh, he plays with the Who? No, I got my, my drummers mixed up. Who did. Uh, uh, J- Jason Bonham played with Foreigner, Jason I think. Yeah. Bonham. Oh, Jason's man. really good. Jason's got a band too who plays Zeppelin covers, I think. Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin experience, yeah. So for anybody listening, if you want to make a joke that doesn't work, you mix up bands that are not really similar at all, I guess. They're just kind of came out around the same time. Anyway. I would say, James, that of this of the sixties groups or the groups that had origins in the sixties, the Who and Led Zeppelin probably have the most connection connected yeah. tissue because in each band, there's four soloists all competing at the same time <laughs> on the stage. It's not a cohesive effort, really. I mean, the the cohesion in Led Zeppelin is JPJ, basically. Like, he's he's the glue. He's holding the thing together. But you have Bonham, who's a natural soloist. And you have Plant, who's a showboater. And you have Paige, who's a virtuoso and stuff. And, and there's so there's similar connective okay. tissue there. And the drummers died young, within two years of each other. I know. Of similar, they were both raging alcoholics. And they were both best friends, so... I appreciate the work you guys are doing to dig me out of this joke (laughs) I said, so thank you. Here's another interesting connection between John Bonham and Keith Moon. Both played with Paul McCartney very soon before their deaths. In fact, Keith Moon died the night he went to... I think it was the Buddy Holly story screening with Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. He went home, ate a plate of lamb and OD'd. And not on the lamb. I forget what he OD'd on. <laughs> um, Jesus. Death by and lamb. Then, <laughs> death by lamb. And then Bonham uh, played in the Rockestra on mm-hmm. uh, Back to the Egg. That's John Bonham's on there. And he died like I think a year later or less, less than a year later, a couple months later. So anyway, McCartney's going around killing drummers is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Watch out, what, what, Abe Laboreal. <laughs> he, need, he needs Abe too badly. Yes. 
So let's go ahead and start talking about the actual Jack White connections to Led Zeppelin. So we put together a little bit of a list here. Feel free, Rob, to kind of jump around yeah. and, and join in where, because I know you you assembled a lot of this list. <laughs> I, I added some stuff, but I wanted to start talking about uh, like early on in the Jack in the Jack experience, early on in Jack's career, you know, there were a lot of Led Zeppelin connections, I think, being made, especially as more mainstream press started to get to know them. And you hear you hear some of these songs, especially on Distill and stuff like that. And you start to think, oh, sounds a little like Led Zeppelin. And so I plucked this out from the Distill era, the song Little Bird, which is a Jack penned uh, blues track, which sounds a lot like the covers, honestly, that he was playing at the time of some of the blues musicians and things, which explains why it sounds like Led Zeppelin. Uh, but Jack said of this one, when we were recording that song, we both, meaning him and Meg, said, people are going to say this sounds like Zeppelin, but I love that riff so much that we just had to put it on the record. And I'm bound to pack it up from Distill again. According to Jack White, when Meg heard that song, she asked if he was sure he wanted to include it on the album since it sounds a lot like Led Zeppelin. So it sounds like they were a little self-conscious, potentially, of being compared to Led Zeppelin by having songs that sounded so akin to it. because I know Robert Plant um, did an interview in the early 2000s about this and it was actually in this this oral history book from 2012 there's a lot of Led Zeppelin Jack stuff crossover in this book but um, he says like listening to something like Stop Breaking Down or some you know something off uh, Dish Style um, he says quote that sound really hasn't been heard in the contemporary world in the, a bedsit cottage land since 1970 it's suddenly emergence <laughs> via the White Stripes was like hey what's that you know <laughs> so he's he's looking at that and he says like this is culling from that same yeah. Ron Rar bedside cottage strum guitar mandolin ballad like acoustic blues you know that zeppelin is doing on something like led zeppelin 3 or zeppelin 4 so like he definitely is you know robert plant is seeing this exact same thing holy shit is that how you pronounce bron yar it's bron rar bron rar yeah it's win rar and you can download it for free Well, first of all, James, that was magnificent. I think you killed Rob. But <laughs> second of all, I, I I am too ashamed to tell you how I would how I was pronouncing that. Bronyar, Bronyar, Bronyar. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, and I think not to 
keep it's it's easy to make Greta Van Fleet a punching bag. I don't want to do that, but I think Robert Plant actually said some complimentary things about them too. I, I think he's no, he, no, he said he said some like he said what oh, he what, did? Did, what do you think about Greta Van Fleet? And he said Led Zeppelin one. That's that's what his thoughts were. Jack defended Greta okay. Van Fleet. He says oh, okay. he, I think he's actually referred. He knows where Frankenmuth, Michigan is, the Christmas Village, and he's like, <laughs> it's like it's ama- it's it's amazing that these these three brothers from f- the Christmas Village up north are doing something that's like that rooted in the music that I love. So Jack stuck up for him, but but Robert Plant did not d- does not care for them. I do like that the way Robert Plant phrased it is that there's like some kind of ancient Egyptian uh, relic that if you touch it, you start sounding like this per- particular band. Yeah. And then it, it's, it was buried by the sands of time since the 1970s. And then Jack White found it. Yeah. And then Greta Van Fleet found it in the Christmas village. And eventually Brendan, Brendan Fraser will find it. Yeah. And unleash, then, yeah, you know, we will unleash have, the demon. And then he'll be in, in some, <laughs> some fun new stuff and he'll have a new persona and he'll be in scrubs. Anyway, this has been a tangent. <laughs> by James continue on your path you know I think Robert Plant's reaction is similar to the reaction of all those the old school I think Mick and Keith had similar reactions to Jack's stuff because if you you know you hear some Rolling Stones in there not as much obviously as Led Zeppelin but you hear a bit because Mick and Keith were also listening to that blues and Howlin' Wolf and all that shit and they all love that stuff too it's just that they I think the distinction between the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, it's a fine line to walk, but I think the Rolling Stones at the end of the day just had too much Chuck Berry in their soul. Mm. And that is the distinction. When you listen to a Stones album, particularly those early albums, they're kind of dance hall albums. They're a bit more geared to pop music, actually, Mm. which is, I don't say it in a bad way, but Led Zeppelin really leaned in. And some, like you were saying, Rob, it's kind of a covers album and it explains their legal trouble. Yeah. Mm over the years in in trying to defend the publishing on some of these things, but they almost took it beat for beat, not out of like, I gotta steal your shit. But like, I don't know what accent that was, but, um, triumph the comic dog because they, (laughs) but because they love it so much, they want to scream it from the hillside. You know, they want to they want to scream it to the world. And, and maybe this is just me giving them the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, because it's like, OK, old story, white guy comes in and takes a bunch of shit that wasn't his. But yeah. I don't know. I think there is a reverence and a love there, you know, and, and and the same with Jack. But Jack, I think, tries to make it his own. Jack has too much Detroit in him to make yeah. it sound exactly yeah. like Zeppelin. Yeah, he's I mean, he has the flat duo jets and the punk stuff to, yes. to lean yeah. on to, which which helps mm-hmm. make the sound a little different. And I, Paul, I, I don't know if if this ever happened to you, but I constantly chased a dragon of heroin. I was a big heroin. (laughs) heroin. (laughs) No, it was um, of trying to get dad's approval of a musician that we liked because dad would constantly hear something and go to quote the Simpsons, George Harrison in the Simpsons, it's been done. So dad would constantly go, yeah, Zeppelin did that. It was not him trying to be, you know, kind of dismissive of it. But it it was constantly me going like I need to find something that sounds new and fresh to him. Man, it, I, I I swear to God, us three Jersey boys, it's like our dads need to meet because it's like I'm just I'm having Vietnam flashbacks too. So my dad, I was showing my dad something like Blue Veins. I'm like, Dad, doesn't this sound like Led Zeppelin? He's like, I hate oh. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, blue veins. Oh my god, that sounds. I mean, so that much. Th- that was like. I mean, if anything, any inklings that I felt with Jack towards the white uh, and the white stripes towards Led Zeppelin, with something like Instinct Blues, was reinforced tenfold when he had a absolutely mind blowing rhythm section behind him. Yeah. And is doing stuff like Blue Veins with the raconteurs is, is like I mean that I'm like this sounds like since I've been loving you this is like yeah. that that three four blues and it's just <laughs> yeah, like right. it's hitting me in the soul yeah. Harrison called Oasis funny little fellows. <laughs> I think. <laughs> but yes, I agree, Rob. Um, we're going to move on to 2003 here. Uh, Jack actually covers In My Time of Dying. Uh, and I think we played this on You on need to send before. me this bootleg because I've never heard him doing this and I need to hear that. You know? I think it's like a clip if I'm recalling correctly. Is, well, is I'm, I'm curious. Is he doing the Zeppelin version or is he doing the Bob Dylan version? Because Dylan is covered In My Time of Dying off his first record. Sounds like the Dylan version. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Let me down so I can die easy. And I, yeah. Are they covering the same song there? They're covering Blind Willie Johnson. Yeah, the song's a Blind Willie Johnson song, as is something like Nobody's Fault But Mine. It's also Blind really? Willie Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, I've never really, I gotta tell you, I love the music. I've never really dug into them, like, yeah. really dug. Like, I, I well, love, that's, I love mean, the album. It's it, That's how I discovered blues music was through the White Stripes, was through Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones by listening to that. And then I'm like saying, oh, this is not their song. Let me dig deeper. You know, yeah. blow some dust off of these, these old artists. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, if you want to feel how your favorite musicians are feeling listen to what they were listening to jack's listening to led zeppelin he's also listening to bob dylan and he's listening to something like blind willie johnson so i'm pretty sure he's culling from all three sources there this is why we have you on as an expert because um, <laughs> this is now this we're at the part of the show where james reads a wikipedia article in my time of dying also called jesus make up my dying bed is a gospel music song written by blind willie johnson as you had stated it refers to the deathbed that was inspired by the passage, The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. And numerous other artists have recorded variations, including Bob Dylan and Led Zeppelin. So 
interesting. He's gathering those sources, and he's yeah. Anyway. In 2005, we have Jimmy Page attending a White Stripes show at the Hammersmith Odeon. I, I saw that you, Rob, had added yeah. um, here to the doc, which is really cool. And then, Rob, do you want to talk a little bit about this Guitar World magazine interview in 2006? Did you guys read this back in the day? No. Man, I really wish I still had this magazine because I had it back in the day, and this was one of my early, early exposures to the white stripes and jack white it's mm-hmm. it's in this like remember i picked up really during get behind me satan so was uh, this a 2007 so so it's 2006 but i guarantee you the interview was in 2005 because on the cover of this magazine is jack with his bolero hat and he's dressed in satan Attire. Okay. Okay. And, and Jimmy Page, and it's basically this guy is interviewing both of them, and they're talking. It's such a great article. I almost want to buy a used copy off of eBay because I lost my copy years ago. <coughs> and they talk about guitars. They talk about their blues influences. the The fascinating thing, I actually wrote this down because I'm such a Raconteurs fan. The first time I ever heard of the Raconteurs was before Steady She Goes and Store Bought Bones were released. Before this band was announced, Jack hinted at this band. He's And they're like, what do you got going up? Another White Stripes record? And he says, well, I'm actually working on a record with a friend of mine named Brendan Benson. And <laughs> like, we kind of call it like a little super group. And we're like thinking about recording some stuff together. So I'm just like, oh, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And little did I know they'd be my absolute favorite thing Jack has ever done. If he called it a super group, that's wild. Because he started railing on people and calling it a super group. Because I think he got mad. Yeah, so, or something along the lines. Remember, I'm like, paraphrasing from my yeah my 20 year old eyes yeah no, no you got the blind <laughs> like, willie johnson thing you're clearly you know your stuff i'm gonna take your word for it you're a blog spot right yeah i i remember there was a distinct part where they're talking and where jack compliments 
Jimmy Page on his pedal steel playing on uh, Your Time Is Gonna Come off of Led Zeppelin 1, and Jimmy Page is like, you're full of shit, I don't know how to play that thing, you know, and Jack's saying something, it's like, oh, you know, like, I I wish I could learn how to play pedal steel, because I could just picture myself as like a 70-year-old guy sitting and playing (laughs) pedal steel in a bar somewhere, you know, it is such, it is such a good article, and it's really... When I saw It Might Get Loud, and well, obviously we'll talk about that later, it was like the sequel to this article. I highly recommend. I tried looking up a transcript online. I couldn't find it. I'm just going to go buy a copy off eBay or something to reread this because it's such an illuminating article. Yeah. Yeah, I looked for it too. Couldn't find it. But I did find an article in Collider from a couple years after the fact from Jimmy Page where Jimmy says, I'd met Jack before. We'd done an interview referring to the Guitar World magazine interview. And obviously I was really aware of his work, but what was so refreshing about this, and he's talking about their later you know, interactions and, and the Mike at Loud era, is that we are really self-taught guitarists. We all have real interesting characteristics. It's not like we're part of an orchestra where everyone has been taught the same way and there are varied areas of interpretation. With this, it's really strong with the character of what we've lived in our music. So there was a lot to receive from the characters and how it manifests through their playing. I do really believe that all guitarists have a different character that comes through. That's a strong character, the stronger the person is. There was a lot of experience and it was a really good experience doing this. I really enjoyed it. So he's talking about it, it might get loud there, but it's interesting to hear Jimmy Page say basically what Prince told Jack, which is no one can tell you how to play your guitar, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good advice. Every all, all guitarists have a very distinct sound and you would never mistake the guitar playing of Jack White and Jimmy Page, very different players, yeah. but they both have the same kind of spirit. Well, it's interesting. Like I, I distinctly remember like the pictures from this magazine and the amazing juxtaposition of Jack White playing and holding Jimmy Page's uh, 1959 Les Paul and his uh, 1275 double neck, and and Jimmy Page is holding the airline and the and the the K uh, arch top, and it's like it's so interesting. You could tell they're really digging each other. Yeah. They're really cut from the same cloth, and I think Jimmy is echoing that as well in terms of like the their composition. Uh, I'm looking at the cover right now, and it says that there are five songs with bass lines. The tabs are included in this, uh, and the songs are Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. Can you guys name the White Stripes song that they included with this? Was it Blue Orchid? It is Blue Orchid. Now, there are three other bands and three other songs. uh, (laughs) Coheed and Cambria, The Suffering, Korn, Twisted Transistor, and Deep Purple's Lazy. Uh, An interesting pull... Uh, for all of those, I would never have thought Corn would be in the mix uh, with with Jack and Jimmy. It was 2005. We were all we were all young and dumb, yeah, you know, back <laughs> then. Yeah. It was a different time. Um, <laughs> this is when Jimmy was still dying his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before he let it all let it go. Rob, if I bought this for you, would it make would it make your night? Because I'll buy this for ten dollars on eBay right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do it. All right, I buy do it. it. Buy it now. I'm signing in. I'm looking at it on eBay too. <laughs> We're, watch after this podcast goes live and like there's gonna be no copies of this <laughs> everybody's gonna be like wait this exists <laughs> that's awesome because yeah, I'm surprised awesome. you guys hadn't heard of this I mean you know I was I mean I remember 
I probably went right from Tower Records with the style in my hand and went to Barnes and Noble down the street and picked up this magazine. It was around that time, yeah. Yeah, the magazines are a blind spot for me. I was buying them starting in like the blunderbuss era before Mm. that i wasn't really buying the magazines but i've bought since then a couple that i've found you know in bins and things but yeah i no, i didn't really realize this so anyway in um 2006 you you wrote this down rob that jack is part of a video package inducting led zeppelin into the uk music hall of fame i wonder if that is as um uh, bullshit and irrelevant as the rock hall but um this is where that quote comes from that you see in all the memes online and stuff well i sort of don't trust anybody who doesn't like led zeppelin (laughs) coincidentally wolf mother plays communication breakdown during this uh during this award show that's awesome. um, they also, I think they induct George Martin into it, and I remember them in the same award show doing like the the Golden Slumbers part of the Abbey Road medley with an orchestra. Yeah. It was very cool. But yeah, this video package has like Slash in it. It's got Jack in it, and sound sound bites. You know, talking about how amazing Led Zeppelin is, and yeah. No, I love that stuff. I eat that stuff up, you know. But yeah, no, that's great. And I, I sort of agree a little. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it is one of those commonalities, right? Like, um, I mean, it's a little elitist for him to say. I think he's saying it tongue-in-cheek, of course. But Led Zeppelin is one of those things where if you love rock and roll, you probably went through a Led Zeppelin phase. Like, I don't know anyone yeah. who loves rock and roll that didn't, or is not at least aware. You know, I've never met anybody who's like, Led Zeppelin, Fuck that. Like, at least not rock fans, you know? So I get what Jack is saying. It's yeah. a, a litmus test, Led Zeppelin. Uh, before we move on to the next year, I do want to bring this up. Were you guys uh, members of the Little Room back in the day, that White Stripes Forum? I remember I was on there because uh, when I fell for Jack White, I fell hard for his music. And I would, like, look at really anything I could find. And I remember specifically in 2006 when they were posting bootlegs and set lists from the 2006 tour for looking for another Zeppelin connection. I distinctly remember somebody posting a set list from a show and... Train Kept a Rollin' was in the set list. And if you know your Led Zeppelin history, that is a Yardbird song that was actually the first song Led Zeppelin ever played together in a rehearsal studio. So I don't know. That's unconfirmed. I've never seen any evidence aside from that, but that could have been a another Led Zeppelin connection. interesting one deep cut you know jack's got like we'll talk about it later when we talk about his playlist that he made but he's got a really good encyclopedic knowledge of deep cut led zeppelin stuff yeah i mean he's good at deep cut stuff in general i mean he played some other guy with the henchman yeah i was thinking like (laughs) and when i heard that i was like man (laughs) because that's a Okay, I mean, obviously that's uh, Beatles are covering, but it's but that's I mean that's you you would have had to watch the anthology to have seen yeah, that yeah it's synonymous with the Beatles because yeah. that's the song they're playing on that Granada's television special, which is the first televised appearance yeah. of the Beatles. He's he's got the deep cuts down. Speaking of deep cuts, I didn't know this. Do you want to see this next one about Rich Kid Blues? I I didn't know this at all. So yeah, two thousand eight, my favorite 
all-time Jack White record, uh, Consolers of the Lonely. One of the last songs on the record is a cover of Rich Kid Blues, which is written and performed originally by Terry Reed. And if if you're a Zeppelin fan, you probably have heard of him because it's well known that when Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones were forming the group, they were looking for a singer and they wanted Terry Reed. And Terry Reed was kind of still up and coming around that time. He's always been kind of an indie guy, but they're like, he's got an amazing voice. He still does incredible voice. And they're like, we would love Terry Reed in the band. So they go to see Terry Reed in concert and they go talk to him after. And he says, I can't, I just got signed to this label or doing, I'm doing this record or something. He, he, he finds an excuse to do, but I do know of this guy up in the Midlands, which is like the, I mean, the sticks of, of yeah. Great Britain. You know. He lives in a Christmas village. Yeah, basically yeah. the Christmas village of England. His name's Robert Plant. Go see him. He's like 19 <laughs> years old. He'll, he's, he's great. He's got and, probably the world's biggest member. Just look for that. and you'll Yeah, no, he's, he's got a cucumber patch in the backyard. <laughs> and let me tell you, he's stuffing them things. Right down there. I understood that reference. Uh, <laughs> Holy smokes. I did not know any of that. That's amazing. I, I know the, the classic like Keith Moon story. Uh, talk about yeah. who lets Thanks again. You're digging me out of this good joke <laughs> um, I made. The, the Keith Moon story, that's where the name comes from. You're, this band's going to sink like a Led Zeppelin, right? But mm. I did not know any of that. That's amazing. JPJ was there at the beginning. They disrespect that man all the time. They, they treat him like he's just the bass guy. Like, Well, him and Jimmy were both session musicians in London. So they're the ones playing on stuff like, Beck, like Beck's Bolero, where that, that quote about the lead balloon goes down. And, you know, they're playing on stuff like Goldfinger and Kinks Records and Who Records. Yeah. And, you know. Um, T-Rex, too, I found out. Yeah. That, uh, Jimmy Page was on an early T-Rex cut. Yeah. So, like, you're going to get, like, you know, them two, they knew each other. The best session guitarist, the best session bassist. You know, they're, amazing. you know, that's, that's how they kind of got together. So, uh, Rob, so I just want to say you're now the proud owner of this Guitar World magazine from 2006. <laughs> Uh, I will be receiving it in my mailbox, but then I will send it direct to you after I photocopy yeah, James the article. I, 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 I hope the uh, the pages aren't stuck together. I j- yeah. yeah, no. Look, I'm not promising anything. I don't. It's in used condition. The guitar tabs are in there though, so if you want to play corn music, I could finally um, learn how to play Blue Orchid. Yeah, yeah you got James has got a George Washington fetish. Really yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, he's yeah. Anyway, uh, that's there. Just send me your dress off air, and I'll 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 send that direct to Excellent. you. Thank you so much, hey, James. Yeah, of course, fellas. We have a lot to get to. Yeah. A lot to get to here, and my daughter has so much styrofoam to punch. So. <laughs> This is a Lucy Goosey episode. You, fu- you fucking saw this, right? Yeah, this is bu- this is bullshit. This cat and his freakish muscles and his cocaine eyes. His pupils don't touch the edge of his face, so he always looks like he's fucking tweaked. <laughs> it's a good cat. So let's talk about it. it might get loud. So here's the origin. I, I actually didn't know any of this, but so this guy who put the whole dealie together, whose name is Davis. Guggenheim, who direct and produced the film, says that uh, producer Thomas Tull had an idea. I don't know who Thomas Tull is, but he had an idea. We were all friends, and he said, quote, I want to make a film about the electric guitar. After talking with producer Leslie Chilcott, 
who I make documentaries with. Really make him sound like Mr. Burns. I'd like to make a documentary about iced (laughs) cream. (laughs) The electric guitar. There's a lot of music documentaries and movies that felt lacking to us. They were about everything but what the artistic experience was. They were about car wrecks and overdoses, or they're a film filled with platitudes about how so-and-so changed music forever. We thought, why not make this film much, much more personal and get underneath the personalities of three really interesting people? Interesting that they picked three, and that's the Jack number out the gate. Might be serendipity, or maybe they're just misremembering. So we weren't trying to be the top ten list. We weren't trying to be encyclopedic. We weren't even trying to cover every generation although it feels that way. We were just trying to get underneath the characters of people who express themselves in a way which is kind of a mystery. When you hear an electric guitar, there are no words, so there's nothing to associate, nothing to quantify, nothing you can put on Wikipedia and someone can look up. We said, well, what if we make a movie about something that no one has ever described before in a proper way? So Jack is joined in the film by his, I guess they, so they ultimately they pick Jack White, Jimmy Page, and The Edge from U2. I mean, whenever you feel like Jan Brady, you know, it's like imagine being The Edge in a Jack <laughs> in White and Jimmy edge. Page sandwich. <laughs> so, hey guys, hey guys, I put an echo on me guitar <laughs> and I played it on a beach while I fucked the air with my boner. I love that The the Edge is probably a listener and he's... <laughs> got real sad real quick Uh, i do yoga every afternoon with my pet goat you will be the expert when you do the inevitable u2 jack white connection yeah Yeah, we're gonna get the edge actually the edge has already uploaded to my phone a free copy of the interview it's true it's true and uh let me tell you i don't care for it (laughs) yeah Fine. So it's interesting. So you get Jack, uh, you get Jimmy Page and The Edge, which kind of are, are a bit more straightforward. But then Jack is kind of the oddball in the movie. He is joined. He's got a high concept thing. So he is joined in the film by his 11 year old self. And uh, this is him being asked about it via Collider. You took a different approach in the movie in that you're talking to your nine-year-old self. Sorry, I said eight, not nine. What made you decide to take that approach? Jack says, Ideas. I'm Jack sense coming back. Jack sense coming back. Ideas fly around when you're talking about making a film. <laughs> you know, Olivia might listen to this, right? That's ideas fly. Ideas fly around when you're talking about making a film, and this was extremely incredible because Davis gave us so much leeway in what we were going to do, which is why I got involved in the first place. If he had sent the script over and said it's going to be this, 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 and this, and this is how we're doing it. I don't think it would have been as interesting or creative for any of the people involved. Part of the film was about childhood, and I just wanted to try and take a different look at it and teach myself how to play the guitar. It would have maybe been easy. Be nice. Yeah, maybe that would be nice. It would have been easy to show a childhood photo, but harder to try to get somewhere with that idea. So we took the harder route. This is something I found on a blog. I apologize, everyone. I've not fact checked this, but this is. Some interview, some blogger found, it says WCP. I don't know what that stands for. Speaking of Jack, who was the little kid in the movie who helped tell his story? That's Jack White as a nine-year-old boy. Did it throw you off? WCP says a little bit. Jack said to me, I want to teach myself how to play guitar. And I was like, cool. And the next day, he shows up in a hat and a bow tie and a suit. 
And in the back, seriously, was a nine-year-old kid dressed exactly like him. And he said, Davis, this is Jack. Jack, this is Davis. Any idea how he found the kid? Not a clue. I let them tell their own stories, and how he told his was quintessentially Jack. The kid was good. (laughs) The kid was good. How do you know it's not him as a nine-year-old? Maybe next time you have a Ben from Third Man on, you just ask him, like, who is the kid from the young kid? He won't answer. He'll tell me. We've had, Does he have a SAG card? He wouldn't yeah. even be honest with us about whip triplet. It's true. We did ask him a question. We're like, hey, is you know, is Jack pla- doing so is like planning any new material? He's like, nah, probably not. And then like Boarding House Reach came out. We're like, what the, <laughs> come on. <laughs> must not be a fan of that record. I guess. You must hate it. The movie was released on a limited run on August 14th, 2009, and it was released wide December 22nd, 2009. The box office gross was $1.6 million. Runtime, one hour, 37 minutes, distributed by Sony. It is a documentary film on the electric guitar from the point of view of three significant rock musicians, The Edge, Jimmy Page, and Jack White. I drive everyone crazy trying to get the sound that I can hear in my head to come out of the speakers. It's my voice. That is my voice. We're going there to have a chat, but it just so happens that the instruments are there as well, so who knows? I plan to trick both of these guys into teaching me all their tricks. It's going to be very interesting. When the three of us get together, what's going to happen? Probably a fist fight. This is the hall where Levy Breaks was recorded. This brings back some memories. I play a really old guitarist, plastic guitars. The neck's a little bit bent and they settle a bit out of tune and I want it to be a struggle. This instrument was just calling out to me. 20 minutes in this store just to find the sound of the band. I love effects units. And it's very rare that he will use the same sound in 23 songs. This is what I'm actually playing. The rest is the foot pedal, the effects, the whole thing. Might get loud for a second. We're all attempting to share something with another human being. Every night that we went on stage, it was living, totally living. Total commitment, getting across what you wanted to say. But it just comes from the creative spark, really. That family of storytellers. You're supposed to join the family, become part of it. That's why I took up the guitar in the first place. <laughs> right. Nice. <laughs> Some fun facts about this one. Jack wrote and recorded his first solo single, Fly Farm Blues, in 10 minutes during the filming of this movie. All three participants have been featured in music from a James Bond opening credit. Jimmy Page reveals that he played on the Goldfinger in 1964, while The Edge and Jack White contributed title tracks to Goldeneye and Quantum of Solace, respectively. So it's interesting. So we talked about Davis Guggenheim, the director on this. Davis was also a producer on the movie Training Day and Marvel's The Defenders. He also directed An Inconvenient Truth 
and does all the hype videos for the Democratic National Convention. I know he did it for Barry and he did it for J-Bone. It was nominated the movie for seven awards, including Best Motion Picture Documentary at the International Documentary Awards. It did not win any, but it was nominated a bunch. And it's got a pretty good Rotten Tomatoes. It's at 79%. And I just rounded up a couple different reviews of this one. Um, Empire Magazine said the mood's too good-spirited, and in that there are great pleasures. Not least the sound of mind thinking of three rockers putting paid to the tired cliche of burbling rock gods trapped in their own shadows. Okay. Time Out New York said the film might have benefited from a trim and a more linear approach, but mostly it fulfills its role as an illuminating homage to both the protagonists involved and, above all, the guitar as popular music's most timeless icon. Spin Magazine said Guggenheim's delightfully unsnobby symposium of a documentary convenes three masters who share one love the electric guitar can i just say somebody needs to make a meme of jack white watching jimmy page play whole lot of love from the movie and it's like find yourself a girl that looks at you like jack white looks at jimmy page (sighs) that'll be included in your magazine i'll make that meme print it out and send it to you that's where the sticky pages came That's from. That's where the sticky yeah. pages. Uh, James only prints out his memes I and hand delivers them. That's how we do it here in, in this household. <laughs> it's like it's shit mailing yeah. instead of shit posting. It's shit. Right. It's literal shit. Also, uh, look, Paul, I do think. Did you find the kid? No. And I I, okay. I found, but I found the article you, you that was referenced in, in this blog post you had, which is moviemaker.com. Um the idea Davis had was that you can't, you don't want rock ex-girlfriends or rock journalists. It's just going to be these three guitarists telling their story. And the way Jack got around that is when Jack came up with this kid, he said, this is Jack. Meet Jack. He said, okay. uh, and Jack was like, to tell my story, I'd like to teach myself how to play guitar. I'm like, okay, I'll go with it. I'll do anything. The next day he showed up with Jack White as a nine-year-old. He got out of the car and said, Davis, I'd like to introduce you to Jack White. And I was like, cool. Um, so I think it's just him introducing the, the director to yeah. Jack White as the, this young Jack as Jack White. I remember seeing this movie in theaters. I actually went with Steph Paines, the guitarist from Led Zeppelin, and like so we could both geek out, you know, uh, on it. And it is if you are a guitar player and you have not seen this movie, oh my god, it is the closest thing to pornography. It is three <laughs> real. There's no nothing closer. No, it is. It's three strong. I mean, Jimmy Page calls them character guitarists in the movie, which is excellent because they both have very distinct playing styles, tones, the ways they attack the instrument. And I mean, they just talk about just random shit. Like, I mean, this is like the best look really behind the curtain at Jack White's equipment kind of pro like early on like him getting um the green machine raconteurs guitar modded with the theremin and the the green bullet microphone yeah. in it randy parsons who i've actually met he's you got to get him on the show jesus christ randy parsons who built the triple jet jesus um cool. great luthier out in the pacific northwest you're actually in his neighborhood now paul yeah like doing the mods on uh jack's guitars and him saying like oh i really wanted to do this with the guitar so we did this this is post sticky thump but right before consolers era jack and it's it's so much good stuff 
if you're a guitarist, man, there's so much good stuff in this. Yeah. I mean, it's a great film. I, I saw it at the time. I was enchanted by it, um, as a, especially as a you know relatively young Jack fan at the time. I think this came out. I was, what, maybe 25 or so, and maybe less. I mean, it was at the height of his powers. This yeah. is at the time where White Stripes was still a thing. You know, Icky Thump had just come out at the time of the shooting of the thing, which I think was 2008. Icky Thump had just come out and, and uh, you know, he was in the middle. Of, they, he's credited in the film for the raconteurs. It predates the dead weather. But um, I remember being enchanted at the time. I watch it, you know, periodically. I think James and I watched it for the show once. And I watched it a bit of it last night. I didn't get all the way through. Yeah, I, j- I just rewatched it myself <laughs> for the yeah, show. Yeah, but there's a great scene at the beginning. It, it reminded me, actually, of the Gary Oldham documentary at the top of the blunderbuss tour yeah there's a because jack jack is asked uh what, what, what do you think will happen when the three of you get together and he says i don't know hopefully a maybe a fist fight and it's a great jack white line but what's hilarious is he he fulfills that prophecy with gary Oldman <laughs> and they get they literally get into fist fight yeah I don't think he punches his tooth he, out or anything. He gives he him a bloody nose bleed. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he makes him bleed, uh, which is which is great. It's very rock and roll, you know. Yeah, James, you look like you're itching to to, to shove a fact on us. No, 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 no. I've been I've been honestly just doing as much googling as I can <laughs> to find this kid. James, listen, I've been frantically googling. I'm finding this. I can't. I can't do it. Everyone just says he's credited as Young Jack. So it's, yeah, I know. It's just, Somebody knows. I think we've talked we've about, talked it, about it. I think we found. I feel it. like it was like a kid cousin. It's or something. gnawing at me, or like yeah. one of his niece nephews or something. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's move off that movie. We got more to cover here. In 2009, NME asks Jack about Jimmy Page playing on a rumored upcoming solo album, and Jack says Jimmy needs to practice. <laughs> Which is, jeez. I mean, like, I, you know. They're you, friendly. You know. Yeah. So it's, but Jimmy is like notoriously, he doesn't play live anymore. So it's like the last concert that he played was he, he backed up Donovan at the Royal Albert Hall because he's all over Donovan's records. Um, and, Excuse me? Yeah. He played on uh, Sunshine Superman at the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> what? Because uh, he's the, like, that's Jimmy Page playing the guitar on that. Okay, hold on. Okay, we have to we have to hit pause <laughs> this on this is, for a second because this is why you're be, here, Rob. because you guys are Beatle fans. You have a Beatle podcast. Jimmy We're Donovan fans too. J- Jimmy Page is on a Beatles related recording. What is it? Wait, Paul will know this before I do. I don't know it, but I have I have guesses. Is it the Wonderwall soundtrack? No. Oh, wait, no, wait. Is it on one of the film scores? Yes. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Is it... Doesn't he play on Hard Day's Night like This Boy or something? Well, he uh, he's on... he, people think it's... Uh, well, he's credited on a Hard Day's Night. He's in a Hard Day's Night film, but it's not Ringo's theme. You know, the This Boy instrumental. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people think that's him. It's not. But he is in Hard Day's Night, the movie. 
And what, what, what's the I don't so know you know the scene I forget the context of the I, wait, scene wait, wait, wait. I'd like it to be known for the court that it was my second guess yes. anyway go ahead still wrong but it's still a second guess <laughs> He's a very, wait um, a minute no so, I got the film I so, got the so you know this I, for, I forget the context of the scene Ringo turns on a little ham radio and yeah. he's kind of grooving out oh, some loud music yes. that's Jimmy Page it's Jimmy Page composition untitled and it's like really loud, screechy rock and roll yeah, that Ringo's yeah. kind of bobbing around to, and the guy turns it off. And we'll have that thing off as well, thank you. But uh, an elementary knowledge of the Railway Act would tell you that I'm perfectly within my rights. Yeah, but we want to hear it. It's more of us than you. We're a community, a majority vote, up the workers and all that stuff. Yeah, That's... but what if we want to hear it, yeah. you know? <laughs> Up with the workers and all that. And yeah. he says, I fought the war for you, sort. And, he's, and and who is it? Ringo says, I bet you're sorry you won. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was some lag on the Zoom. Uh, is it when Ringo has the radio and he's playing? Oh, and then James, there's a Jimmy Page Jesus. Come thing. on. I got the move. I got the, I, For the record. <laughs> anyway. Like sorry. Bad wrong. lag. Back bad on, lag. Yeah. Back on topic. Anyway. I'm go- James is going through a tunnel at the time. Um, <laughs> he's going. Uh, Paul, I just you. bought you a copy of A Hard Day's Night on <laughs> But that's not Jimmy playing this boy. Because that, that this boy is really good. The, the Ringo's the theme, yeah. Yeah, the great. Ringo's theme. Anyway. Um, 2011. Jack plays drums with John Paul Jones and Allison Mosshart backing up C6 Steve. I've seen this video. It's awesome. It is. Uh, Rob, do you want to go through this one a little bit? Yeah, so um, C6 Steve releases uh, his album, You Can't Teach a New Dog, An Old Dog New Tricks, on Third Man Records. Ruby Mafu, I think, is on the record, but Allison Mosshart plays it live. The Write Me a Few of Your Lines single. And there's a, a great video. I think they're playing in London, and it's Jack on drums. Allison Mosshart on vocals, C6 Steve on guitar and vocals, and John Paul Jones on bass. And uh, I distinctly remember Jack fucking up a drum fill in it and yeah, <laughs> like like kind of throwing off the song a little bit. That's the only thing that's memorable about it, but I do remember the performance. There's a little Mississippi Fred McDowell tune called Write Me a Few Lines. Not a lot of people know that he played with John Paul Jones, and and like, he you know, he and John Paul Jones were in were the rhythm section. Yes, that must feel pretty cool. And I I mean, for, in my opinion, Jack is twice a drummer than he is a guitarist. I think he's that good a drummer. Um, but so he like he can hang with somebody like John Paul Jones. He's got an yeah. incredible pocket. Like seeing them play together, that's great. Yeah, actually, that's another record I got. From my exchange with Josh Aiken, I got the um, the live to acetate C16, mm. and uh, and I've been looking forward to diving into that. But I remember us finding that through the podcast and thinking that that was really cool because everybody forgets John Paul Jones. You exists. know, it's just I know it's just that J- it, it's a Robert Plant, and Jimmy Page are such icons. Yeah. JPJ was just on the side holding it down. You know, he was he was the only kind of quieter guy in that group. That's why yeah. they called him the quiet one. Yeah. 
Yeah, the quiet one. Yeah. Uh, although, ironically, um, the only one I've ever seen, I know I asked you two live, was Robert Plant. I haven't seen JPJ live. I saw Robert he, Plant. He only, the only tour you really would have seen him on was them Crooked Vultures. So it's like, if you didn't see that, you really wouldn't. Because he's done more production work than and uh, soundtrack work than, than live yeah. performance. So. Them Crooked Vultures is him, Dave Grohl. And Josh Hame. Mm. Josh Hame. Wow. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. What a, what a group! Yeah. I, actually, I remember a, a, another Jack White connection from that uh, them Crooked Vultures tour. I remember it was a Rolling Stone interview, I think, and they were interviewing Jack and the Dead Weather, who were touring the same time as uh, Vultures. And they said, in a battle of the supergroups, Dead Weather versus them Crooked Vultures, who wins in a fight? And they're like, oh well, we could definitely take Dave and Josh, but I think JPJ would put up a fight or something like something <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, like I, I I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember it was in Rolling Stone. And it was like a like who would win in a fight, them crooked vultures or the dead weather? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, why don't you take the next one, uh, Rob? In 2012, we have so in 2012, actually, a friend of uh, Les Zeppelin and friend of mine, uh, Brad Talinsky, he is going to write a Jimmy Page biography. I can't remember the name of it. He's going to hate me for forgetting it. It's a real page turner. Uh, he's also actually fun fact: Brad Talinsky uh, a couple of years ago at the uh, the Met Museum in New York City, the guitar ex- exhibition, you know, with all that. That's based on a book of his. So Brad Talinsky's he's going to interview Jack about Led Zeppelin when he's nice. writing Jimmy Page's biography. He said, and according to Jack, what's interesting about Led Zeppelin was how well they were able to update and capture the essence of the scary part of the blues. A great Led Zeppelin track is every bit as intense and spontaneous as Blind Willie Johnson. So, which he mentions scary part of the blues. That's something he mentions in It Might Get Loud as well. Yeah. It's this dark, scary part of this duality of blues music. And yeah, Robert Johnson was said to have sold his soul to the devil yeah. at the crossroads He's for the gift of guitar. 27 Club member, Robert Johnson, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he's, you know, he's saying that it's like Led Zeppelin really taps into that dark half of the blues really well. And they were able to update it, you know, with the pomp yeah. and circumstance of the 70s, you know, with the dry ice and all of that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's said that uh, that's how Mac uh, got a lot of his ideas for his Wings Over the World Tour mm-hmm. was from Zeppelin seeing Zeppelin and seeing the spectacle that they put on. I mean, and they did put on a show, you know, it was yeah. quite, quite a show. I obviously didn't see it, but our, our father saw it. Not, not the ones that Macca would have seen, but I think dad saw the 77 or 79 tours. Yeah. They always put on an amazing show. I don't know, Rob, I assume you have that, that DVD, that, um, that Led Zeppelin live DVD that oh, came out. Oh, the, yeah, the, how the West was one DVD. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah, really I mean, good. you see the iconic Led yes. Zeppelin in that. And you, you also see <laughs> the 79 Led Zeppelin, where Jimmy Page is wearing this weird, like, purple and white pantsuit. He's more and, heroin than man at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like twisted and evil. Um, yeah, the 70s really did a number on that band. But it's it's a sight to behold, like, as a live act. Oh, my God. You know, it's, it's like them, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Jack, I think, is yeah. in there too. You know, as far as live acts go, you have to see him live. Like, there's a an element of the music that 
can only be really mm. truly appreciated in a live setting. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't you keep why don't you keep going here? because uh, so, you have you have some more stuff. Yeah. So uh, the same year, um, there is a book called Led Zeppelin: The Oral History of the World's Greatest Rock Band. That is where um, that quote from Robert Plant on the White Stripes about the bedsit cottage land since 1970. You know, it's like, hey, what's that? That we spoke about <laughs> earlier, uh, yeah. but but also this is kind of the inkling, and in, like I want to see what you guys think about this. Is that I feel like Jack and Robert Plant had beef. A little bit like and it kind of shows where he's like robert plant has a quote in this he says like yes it's kind of sounds like led zeppelin since 19 uh, in 1970 you know bedside cottage he says but also quote i think well that's fine boy but if you're gonna play in my time of dying listen to the master plant said (laughs) in the book or even to jesus make up gonna make up my dying bed from 1930 i tell you there's no blind willie johnson there and he's referring to the white stripes when he's talking about that he's you know so i think he's basically saying don't listen to us you need to dig deeper if you really want to get on our level and jack is going to end up saying something you know some things too where i've i couldn't find the source of it but i remember reading jack thought that robert plant is the least impressive part of led zeppelin (laughs) you know so i think there's like a little bit of kind of a a type personality disorder going on between jack and robert i love that that's that's amazing in the same book jack is going to say quote uh songwriting wise i'm coming from the same places that jimmy and robert were robert johnson tommy johnson blind willie mctell we're all feeding from the same tro so it's like I think that is you know Jack pushing back against a bit of that criticism. <laughs> In the same book, he's going to say uh, I think he said like one of the greatest guitar parts he's ever heard is from Led Zeppelin. It's about a whole lot of love, the guitar solo in the middle. That break in a whole lot of love is probably some of the greatest guitar notes ever played, if not the greatest. Wound it so many times that there was a fuck up on the tape before the guitar solo. Just that little <laughs> section is so powerful, and it was so powerful to me when I was five years old. So Jack is really still like prostrating himself at the the altar of Led Zeppelin. You know, he's saying it's like, but you know, it's like I think there is still that little bit of tension between Jack and Robert. You know, you telling me that there's beef between Jack White and Robert Plant is very close to being as cool as the fact that. Greta Van Fleet is from a Christmas <laughs> uh, What What Robert really needs to realize is that when it comes down to it, we're all just copying God. Ah! Oh. Copying God. Copying copy God. God. The box. Find your own piece, but the puzzle is God's. That's very, very interesting to me. I know you had included in 2014, there was a Facebook post where Robert, Robert Plant was on Facebook for some reason. <laughs> the guy, by the way. It might have been I an say, AMA or something. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Uh, in his later years, he looks like a lion. Yeah. Man. He looks like a lion man. I mean, he he had the mane. He looks yeah, like, yeah. you know, you remember in Animorphs? 
there was like <laughs> evolutions of like here's the human and then the, there's the animal yeah. at the end robert plant is like the third one yeah 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 up until the lion i'll I'll print that meme out to you and send it. <laughs> I'm going to log off now, guys. That was really nice yeah, talking with you. Until Animorphs, we were really Til Animorphs. But I guess on Facebook, the Animorph man said, yeah. I love Jack White's buccaneer spirit and the way he dodges through musical horizons, which is really interesting because the following year in 2015 on the Lazaretto tour, and it's an amazing thing that I, I think I put on a fell in love with a, no, I put it on a... Uh, one of the episodes uh, we do about live cuts, I uh, included this one on there. But Robert Plant joined Jack White live on stage in 2015 on the Last Retto Tour. Jack White has covered Led Zeppelin's 1969 track, The Lemon Song, with the band's very frontman, Robert Plant, performing at Lollapalooza, Argentina. On Saturday night, March 21st, 2015, the former White Stripe singer invited Plant on stage to provide vocals for the Led Zeppelin 2 cut. Now that song and that particular cover is great because you know what? Robert Plant's kind of in great vocal form for that. And you can tell Jack's, I mean, whatever tension there was is I think melted away in the fact yeah. that Jack was very visibly being a fanboy, a Led Zeppelin fanboy in that moment where he's like sort of laughing and sort of tell, you can set, sort of see him tell ja- Daru like, this is going to happen. <laughs> Please play this good, you know? Um, and and there's that that definite, like, kid, parent, like, oh, my yeah. God, it's him sort of thing. And you, you, it reminded me, actually, a little bit of um, the uh, version of Jack and Mick Jagger doing Loving Cup, yeah. or Jack and, and uh, Rolling Stones doing Loving Cup. There's that similar, like, he's clearly a fan, but he's also wanting to push and that's the beautiful thing about Jack, one of the many beautiful things about him, which is that even in those moments where he's clearly a fan, he's still trying to push. You know, he doesn't want to stay comfortable. No, no, no. Let's do it. Push into the uncomfortable place. And you can see Robert kind of rolling with it and stuff. And look, Robert Plant's voice, I know he had that whatever it was, like it was like a motorcycle or a car accident yeah. or something in the, in the late 70s where his voice kind of took a dip or something. But he stayed remarkably consistent ever since. And when you listen to those Strange Sensation albums or the one he did with Alison, they're the two, I guess, he did with Alison Krauss, he still sounds pretty damn good, you know? And, and, and this, this performance is great. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it is the Lemon Song is a another Led Zeppelin cover song. It is covering uh, Howlin' Wolf's "Killing Floor" um, with a bit of Robert Johnson's um, "Traveling Riverside Blues," which was also a, a you know covered by Led Zeppelin. The "Squeeze My Lemon" bit is from that. So um, yeah, I think so the, so- the juice runs down my leg. Yes. So I think that is a very deliberate choice by by Jack to co- like to cover a song that Zeppelin covered, you know, and bring Robert Plant. They're he's, they're not coming up and doing Live and Love and Made. Wonderful. So then in 2016, this was this was an interesting. This, one this is news to me actually. Yeah. yeah so Jack and uh, does the uh, the Beyonce song "Don't Hurt Yourself," which he co-wrote and co-produced with um, Beyonce for uh, her Lemonade album. And um, this was interesting. It contains a sample of When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin. And I don't know if this is the first documented use of a sample by Jack White, other than maybe like, now will it, you know, or whatever at the end of Distill or 
I wish well, I had the, a little red. There's also the the radio uh, that plays at the beginning of uh, Little Acorns. That's true. Mm. That's a sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a sample. Okay, fair enough. But anyway, yeah, I guess it contains a sample of When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin. I don't know. It does, uh, and I just found an article about it. Oh, did you really, James? I did. Uh, James has been Googling I've over been there. I've been Googling. Getting those pages uh, stuck this, together. This is NPR. Uh, they, they, uh, the, the hosts are talking about uh, a soundbite from When the Levee Breaks is apparently used as a drop often in songs. Really? It's used in The Beastie Boys, Rhyming and Stealing. It's used in Don't Hurt Yourself. It's used in Sophie B. Hawkins' Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. It's used a lot, actually. Tomo Yasu Hotie's Battle Without Honor or Humanity. So anyway, it's it's used often. Uh, they go on into why. And they what say, part of it? They play sound bites of the songs on this. I'm reading a transcript from an NPR show. So uh, they'll play. I mean, I could. I'll download this and let you know. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. I love the Levy Breaks. It's one of my favorite yeah. Zeppelin songs. I mean, that, as far as like maybe the, when the Levy Breaks and Rain are probably my the best two drum tracks I've ever heard. Like Ringo's work on Rain and John Bonham's work on When the Levee Breaks are like two of the best examples of rock drumming in the history of the genre. I mean, look, Keith Moon is Keith Moon, but like I don't I don't think it gets any better than When the Levee Breaks and Rain. So basically the drums were recorded from above, which was common at the time, and they used a device that Jimmy Page had called the Benson Echo Wreck. Yeah, it was in a stairwell, yeah. right? They recorded in the bottom of a stairwell in a castle. Right? What? Hedley Grange. It's actually in uh, It Might Get Loud. It's a, a manor house in England, um, and they're in the stairwell. That yeah. uh, that and he said we hung we kind of strapped the the hung the mics over the rafters and let them let them hang down and after that you know bands were looking for elevator shafts and shit to <laughs> to record yeah their drums I, in, yeah because it's great natural <laughs> echo yeah I heard somebody say that John Bonham's drumming is the product of production you know some musical podcast I was listening to and I was just like fuck you like seriously like it may amplify it it may accentuate it. But like, come on, like that dude was heavy. How would you? How would that be an like a uh, production thing? Like, hey, hey guys, to to cut away from Paul's jack off motion, um, Paul, I've got I've got something that feels like a little bit of a little bit of torn clothes or uh, you know oh, a little, oh. it's like a oh. little bit of torn what? like rags. And others and skeletal systems. So, Rob, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm feeling like there's some torn clothes and some skeletal systems. It's a passive manipulation. That's the one. <laughs> it's a rag and bone. Rag and bone. Uh, it turned into Adam Sandler at some point during that. It's fine. Um, so, I, amongst this NPR's sample list, 
that they are going for the levy breaks, which apparently all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is Aphex Twin, which is fine. I like I like Aphex Twin. They're great. But um, Paul, there, there's another one. Enigma samples when the levy breaks on their song "Return to Innocence." Boom, boom, boom. No, that's Sailor. Boom, 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 boom. But you might know it from the same CD that brought us pure moods. I bought pure moods from the the town James used to live in. They had a music, almost like a bookshop. I found Pure Moods. Do you know what we're talking about when we say Pure Moods? I do, yes. Yeah, okay. So I found it in this um, bookshop, and I bought it, and I played the whole thing. And my wife did not divorce me. <laughs> I mean, it's got the X-Files theme. Uh, it does, yeah. Which is, no, which, uh, which is known as Tubular Bells. That's how I always... It's the first track is, on Pure Moods. Is Tubular Bells? Oh. Hi, oh, hi, 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 oh, hi. Anyway, now now me and Robert just really getting an earful of Paul. Paul, Paul should drink whiskey more often. <laughs> he does. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> this is going. <laughs> um, holy. <laughs> Wow, James, thanks for breaking yeah. in with that. You're welcome. I'm sorry. It's a rag and bone. In 2018, the Led Zeppelin comparisons continue with Jack White. Uh, and this is from a <laughs> review of Respect Commander. Uh, the incomprehensible, albeit intriguing B-side, Respect Commander is what any talented band would sound like after they ripped a few bongs and tried to cover Led Zeppelin's Dazed and Confused. Cool. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, Rob, you found in 2019 this article, which you've referenced before, where Jack defends Greta Van Fleet uh, for sounding like Led Zeppelin in a Rolling Stone interview. Do you want to detail that? I mean, I think we kind of covered it before, but it's basically somebody like you know, brings up Greta Van Fleet in this Rolling Stone interview and Jack's like, no, well, listen, it's like, take it easy on these kids. It's like, you know, they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're good kids, but it's like, I find it fascinating. They're from like Frankenmuth, Michigan, the Christmas village, you know? Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, I think it's Jack, uh, you know, uh, you know, shielding his fish, uh, fellow Michiganites or Michiganians, uh, from, uh, from Michiganders, Michiganders. Yeah. I, I think, I think Michiganders is right. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's awesome. And then in 2019, I guess Jack curated an online playlist, Rob, you found of his yeah. 10 favorite Led Zeppelin songs. There are some interesting there ones some in here. There are some great songs on this playlist. So the Rover, that's one that I always felt. So that's the first one on here, the Rover. That's, I think, from Physical Graffiti. Track right? two, Physical Graffiti, yes. That's one I, I always wanted to like more than I did. I, I think, like, of the songs on Physical Graffiti... That one I wanted to love because it's like a classic, like, yeah. I don't know, it sounds like a big rock song. But in the end, I think Led Zeppelin does better big rock songs. I don't know where you both stay. Uh, the rhythm, rhythm section is ridiculous. On The bass yeah. playing is is in such a pocket that it's amazing. I mean, I like yeah. I love the Rover. Yeah. They've got yeah. it in their pocket. I No. Oh. Here's the thing. I'm looking over this list. and I, I, Guys, can you tell me where the bridge is? I'm just trying to find the bridge. <laughs> 
the cr- the crunch is not on here. Has That's it, just has anybody seen the bridge? bridge? Um, uh, yeah, it should have been on got, there. How many more times is on there? That's off Zeppelin one. Two ones are one, which is Achilles' last stand. That was off of the reissues. So Jack bought the Led Zeppelin remasters because that's a that's a uh, cut early take of Achilles' last stand. I got a feeling that two and ones are one. Yeah. That's a. Good, I mean, it's a Jack White title. I, honestly, I think he likes the title. Two ones are one. I mean, that's a good title. Speaking of Jack White titles, the girl I love, she got long black wavy hair. Is that is problematic? That was on the B. That's on the B sides. Uh, I'm sorry, not the BBC sessions. Um, which was live takes. That is a proto version of Moby Dick with lyrics. Oh, um, it's a great song. Robert Plant screams all over it. It's awesome. Maybe play a clip here. Yeah, so a girl I love, she got long back wavy hair. Uh, Since I've been loving you, you know, I mentioned that in regards to something like Blue Veins earlier, that three four blues, um, absolutely lemon song, which he performed, you know, with Jack. Really quickly, since I've been loving you, that's one of those builders, right? Since I've been loving you, yeah, it 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 absolutely does, yeah, yeah, and then it breaks it back down. Yeah, it's it's a good dynamic Led Zeppelin blues song, yeah, ballad off Zeppelin three. Lemon songs off Zeppelin two. Uh, that's the song he played with Robert Plant. Uh, Saint Tristan Sword. I know he's definitely got those Led Zeppelin reissues because that's also, is that it. It's a it's, it's a, a Saint Tristan Sword is a previously unreleased instrumental track. Um, I've never heard it. Yeah, uh, send it to me and we'll play it right here. <laughs> Riverside Blues is uh, the song, a Robert Johnson song. Led Zeppelin covered also for the BBC sessions. That is the source of the Squeeze My Lemon line. Yeah, Jack's played Traveling Riverside Blues too. I think. I'm sure he has. You know, it's it's it, you know it's one of what only 28 Robert Johnson songs. I think he's covered them all at one point or another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think when we did the Robert Johnson episode, we talked about that one. Now Moby Dick is a favorite of mine. Now I love the album version. I used to memorize the the drum solo on that one, and that was another one that I would do with Mike. We would do the Moby Dick drum solo. But if you haven't heard the the live version, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's oh my god, everybody leaves. 
they leave yeah. and they just let John Bottom sit there for whatever it is. 20 minutes. They, yeah. It's... It seems like 20 minutes. It can't be possibly be. It must be like seven minutes, but it feels like an eternity where he's like, you know, and doing his thing. And, and boy, that guy, man, he, he really understood rhythmic patterns that were next level. Yeah. You know, I mean, as I mean, think about this. This guy joined this band in 1968. 1968 what was happening the monkeys you know yeah next next couple of years sugar sugar but this guy but, and, but, and this but john bonham is calling from buddy rich and you know uh he's he's calling from gene krupa jazz drummers like this now is, i can hear the yeah. krupa in there yeah because because john bonham is a force of nature on the drums he is yeah he, but he's not just all go 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 you know it's not caveman drumming like no. the dude has it's contrast he has he has dynamics he yes. has a uh, funk he's got uh a feel he he can swing a beat and he's, yeah, he's like, got a bit of jazz in there. yes right? he's got a ton yeah. of jazz in there john bonham does not does not just beat the shit out of his drums. Listen to Dazed and Confused. It's not just kick drum and snare. It's he's he's swinging the entire song. Yeah, it's really incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. I guys, I'm gonna play so much goddamn Led Zeppelin tonight. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Like I, I have my stereo set up. <laughs> This uh, is going to be blur. I'm going to be a monster to my well, wife. It, well, if you've never, if you do uh, listen to Led Zeppelin, I recommend you listen to this uh, this tenth and final Led Zeppelin song, "Out on the Tiles" off of Zeppelin Three. Great deep cut. Uh, I got to tell you, Led Zeppelin Three is on the on the low low. Yeah. One of their best. It's really, it's really. Have great. you guys tried listening to it all in one track? <laughs> <laughs> this band started with the immigrant song and ended with hats off to roy harper in the single song but man they did it they did it they pulled it off they did the impossible yeah wow james well speaking of the impossible james you've summed up this entire episode in uh in one tremendous joke i would like to thank rob janos for joining us um again now rob before we go i would be remiss if i didn't talk about molly your latest release that is upcoming from the buzz and the hum Get my 
Yeah, I, I listened to it uh, like three times today. Uh, your your voice is astounding. Thank you. I, uh, I just want to say. I, I can't sing it like that anymore. It's too high. <laughs> I mean, I remember when you first were on here, we were talking about Asphalt Grave and, and, and all this different stuff you've done over yeah. the years. But it's always music that I just really feel, you know, in uh, in here. And, you know, we were talking about that a lot today with Led Zeppelin. And we really just love the fact that through this show, we found a like-minded individual that's so talented that can actually create some of these sounds that James oh. and I enjoy so much. Well, uh, thank you so much. I, I In return for that uh, incredibly generous uh, guitar world, I'll send you both uh, copies of the uh, of the record on Bandcamp so you guys can check it out. So. <laughs> thank you, thank very you very much. Thank you very much. So, uh, where can, speaking of Bandcamp, where can people find you? Where can they find your yeah, stuff? Yeah, so uh, uh, Buzz and Hum is the band. Uh, you can find it on Spotify. The, the EP is called The Buzz. And uh, it's going to be the first of two EPs. The second is going to be the Hum, and ah. uh, yeah, it's it's a four piece band that I, that I've been working with. I'm also also been producing a bunch of stuff. You can find my solo records on Bandcamp. You can find my name on the TSA No Fly list. You can uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not yeah, not the not the pre. Not the TSA pre. You're on the no fly list. Both, actually. Yeah. That's how, that's, how they, that's, that's how they can't find me. I go right through. You're security. taking your shoes off and keeping them off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, can I just say, if you're ever in need of like a of a single title or an EP title, can you go with the and so that it can really fit snugly? Yeah. Uh, we snugly uh, we were jo- we were joking about that. Like we need to like you know if we, if it was on vinyl, we'd put the and on underneath the label, like you know like a. Uh, Lazaretto did, you know, something like that. Yeah, that would be great. Rob, this has been, I gotta tell you, I don't have a lot of opportunities to just talk about Led Zeppelin for an hour and 53 minutes. It's nice. But we did. Yeah. And I, it feels so good. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you you guys so much. I, you know what? It's, I appreciate you guys returning my calls because I, I, yeah, I, I I moved out to the sticks recently and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. So I've kind of, you know, I've been listening through my backlog of, of your guys stuff. And you guys are doing such great work. It's amazing Thank the interviews you. that you guys are having on now. So, you know, it, it, taking the time to to have me on, you know, after, what, fuck, five years, something like, what, you know, when I was first on there, just to kind of shoot the shit and kind of geek out three Jersey boys that we are, you know, we can, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. It's the best. It's the point. It's the whole point. Yeah. The fact that you're at all interested in, uh, and I'm going to quote a Redditor from three years ago, this horrid podcast. Oh, uh, Oh, that was me, you. actually. I can't oh my god! I can't believe it. Uh, I, I appreciate it very much. Um, we, we 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 did so well. Uh, we have a tradition on this show where we say at the end where we where we'll be looking for a home. I will be looking for a home in the acoustic recordings, nineteen ninety six to twenty sixteen. Wow! Wow! I that's a reference. To the game show in which Rob tried to... I think it was 97, actually. No, it's 19... <laughs> 1998. 1998 to 2015. See, I would have gotten it wrong. Rob, I uh, I stumped you with that one on the, uh, the, on the game the show. The trivia and, and, episode, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you were very upset yeah, with me at the time. because you didn't do the years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, that's where I will be looking for a home in the years that I don't remember. <laughs> I will be looking uh, James, for a home. James? Yes. Yes, I will be looking for a home... Uh, trying to figure out why this juice is running down my leg. Ah, get it off of there. And Rob? I will be looking for a home from the Bronrar cottage 
<laughs> pe- peeling through the sticky pages of a Guitar World magazine. <laughs> we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. The Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radkey, who can be found at radkey.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at the thirdmen underscore podcast on Instagram, at thirdmencast on Twitter, and search the third men on Facebook. Thanks to our Patreon patrons, to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and see you next time. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Okay. Are you there? I'm not. Hello? (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, so anyway, Rob... like analog cracks and pops like yeah, yeah, it's your yeah, vinyl yeah. that you haven't yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> it's definitely yeah we are the world's first direct to acetate podcast you need to like record a, you need to both go to nashville or detroit and record a mini podcast in the record booth booth. i know like no that'd be so great i mean vito (laughs) vito hicks sent us a um a record of our theme song covered um that we we played a couple weeks ago but uh so we have like some podcast stuff made it from the record booth but yeah Mm -hmm. we've been meaning to to do that the problem is like i don't want to i've been to nashville's uh, you know, Third Man Records in Nashville. We, I know we were there at the same day. Yeah, I know. We, <laughs> we didn't see each other, I but know. we were there. <laughs> I avoided you at all costs. Uh, but like... Um, hi, Dada. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
Okay, buddy. Yeah, I'm still recording. Um, yeah, we're. I'm, I'm gonna. We're almost I'm gonna done. I'm gonna mute this. Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway. You know, if, if you if you just keep using the Bronrar while it's doing the pop-up saying you need to buy it, they, <laughs> no one no one cares. No one knows. You could just keep using it. Uh, it's for eternity. It's a little Winrar joke for y'all out there. Anyway, bye. bye. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. I am pressing stop. Yes. On my recording. You were great. I'm pressing stop.